Welcome to Happy Hour with Grandstand, the podcast where we showcase craft beverage brands from across the country. Stick around, the first one's on us. Hey, I'm Billy Long with Grandstand. I'm the Senior Account Manager for the Central Region. I'm joined by our Marketing Coordinator, Lindsay Dider. Hey everyone, I'm happy to be here. Today, the two of us are talking with Brandon Proff, Managing Partner of OMF, also known as Our Mutual Friend, out of the Rhino District in Denver, Colorado. We talk about OMF's incredibly successful Keep the Glass program, the importance of being a neighborhood taproom with an artistic focus, and a skateboarding cat. Well, to kind of kick things off, could you uh, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and our mutual friend and the history behind it? So, we started the brewery uh, in 2012, so this will be our eighth year, and kind of the, the main idea behind what we wanted to do was uh, mainly be a kind of a local spot um, in our neighborhood. We're in northeast of uh, downtown Denver. Um, which the neighborhood is uh, called Rhino now, um, and it's kind of become a, a hot spot for a lot of breweries. So we have Epic and Great Divide and um, Ratio, Beer Stop. There's a bunch of breweries um, in close proximity to us. Um, but when we first started, we were one of the, we were the arguably the second or third brewery because uh, another brewery opened the same week, and our. Um, <clears throat> Our goal was really just to make um, Colorado-based beers um, as far as ingredients go. Um, and over the years, we've kind of evolved to be a little more um, focused on Saison and uh, mixed culture fermentation, um, sour-type beers and things like that. Really, kind of the main thing for us was that we wanted to make as many beers as we could using all Colorado ingredients. And so that's our main focus on the beer side. Now on the, on the marketing and branding side, how do you differentiate yourself from all those around you? As far as our brand goes, um, the differentiator to me was that I just didn't want to look like a brewery or feel like a brewery. Um, because at that point when we started in 2012, there was kind of a pretty standard approach to, how a brewery looked and felt and it tended to lean a little more on the industrial side since a lot of breweries were in warehouses and whatnot. Um, and my background, uh, is in the music industry. And so I figured we would just go with that approach and try and bring in more of an emphasis on artists and art at large and, how can our tap room be a space for creativity? Um, and so kind of that went into the neighborhood and local aspect of our approach to beer itself. And um, that's really kind of been the, the North Star for our approach to anything that we do at the brewery. Can you talk about how maybe that had an influence or was part of the inspiration for starting the, your Keep the Glass program? Sure. When we first opened, we were trying to figure out ways to get people in on Tuesdays because that was the slowest day of the week. And um, I remember I noticed that Duval was doing kind of a of a, an artist series where they would have notable artists 
at first notable artists um, submit glass designs and then they were printing them and doing these box sets that were very cool and they had very different types of artists doing the designs. And then it evolved into being open for submissions and then they kind of built in a sort of social component for voting for designs that people liked. So I really gravitated toward that and I, I had a few friends that had gotten the Duval glasses and so you know when you would go to their house and and be, do a bottle share or something you that was the kind of thing that it really popped and I just thought oh man it's really cool that they're doing that and then kind of adjacent to that I was in um, Austin years ago and remembered that before they had changed some of their laws to allow breweries to have tap rooms they were doing a workaround where they were selling a glass and saying, you know, we can't sell you beer, but we'll sell you this glass for this certain amount. And then we'll give you uh, some pours of our beers in it. And that was kind of the way that they made it work that you could go to a brewery and get to, to drink their beers. And so um, I just thought, well, this is a perfect idea to, to combine the artist series Duval did with the way that um, breweries in Austin were getting around selling beer, even though we didn't have that as a challenge. It made sense to me that we could kind of have this as a marketing program in place to get people excited about coming to the brewery on a day that it was a bit slower. And then from there, we realized that we had an opportunity to get to work with different artists um, so the kind of loose approach that we have to it is that we do one glass with an artist that's a different artist and we do the glass for a month. So every Tuesday for four weeks, and then there's a new glass after that, you know, rinse and repeat. And, um, at this point, I want to say we've been doing it for seven years or something. Wow. <laughs> it's a really long time, but we're on. We're on glass uh, 60, in the high 60s and low 70s at this point. I, I, I kind of lost track. But amazingly enough, you know, we've, it's all been, um, you know, just like done through grandstand. And, and thankfully with the way that the printing and the full color and all that stuff has, um, you know, all of these options have widened. It's really made it easier for us to kind of entice artists to want to work with us and do that. How are you selecting the artists for you? You mentioned you do a kind of a monthly cycle. How are you, how are you selecting the artists that you work with? Um, we get a lot. Well, it depends on a local level. There are a lot of people here in Denver that come in a, a lot. And then if they're artists or sometimes they're not even really artists, they're just people that are interested in, in trying. And so we get a, a lot of kind of un, unsolicited submissions that we will sometimes go with if we have enough, um, you know, votes from employees and people that we, we, uh, you know, trust their taste. So it's like kind of a group effort to, to pick designs that we think will um, be exciting to customers and resonate with them. So that's one part of it. And then the other part of it is that we, are gravitating constantly towards artists that are maybe not 
in Colorado, they may be somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world. And if we feel like there's some sort of alignment in interest, like um, there's a guy that I haven't worked with uh, before, but you know, he's, his name is Dustin Klein and he's in the cycling world. He makes uh, cycling clothing, but he's also an artist and sells illustrations and paintings and stuff. And that's kind of an example where um, I've seen that he's done artwork for other breweries here and there. So I'm interested in working with him and that's kind of like a bucket list type person. So I would maybe reach out to him and tell him what we're doing and see if it's something of interest. So it kind of goes both ways. We get people that give us designs and say, this is something I made for consideration. And then we also say to people, Hey, do you, are you interested in working with us on this? Now, do you match these up with um, new beer releases or how does that work? Um, we have here and there. Um, it, it more often than not is just kind of on its own little journey because it's really hard for us to know when things are going to land beer wise. Um, so we just try and keep it kind of siloed off on its own. And if it happens to line up with a beer release, we'll do that. But um, it's just, it's proven to be difficult to do specific beer themed designs and things like that. Um, but we still do them. We, uh, we just did um, a, a glass specifically for San Francisco beer week that we released in at a bar in San Francisco and in Denver. So that sort of thing has been um, kind of more the right speed for us in terms of like knowing when the date is and, and being able to design for it. So you're collaborating with artists locally and, you know, across the country, but then there's also that relationship with, with other breweries and other bars too, then. Yep. Yep. Um, and, and that has, it's really become kind of a signature thing that we do. And so, um, <laughs> I don't get frustrated by it, but I, I laugh that nowadays whenever, uh, breweries or, um, other entities are interested in, in collaborating with us. They're like, uh, and can we please get to do a keep the glass with you guys as well? You know? And, <laughs> and so it's just, it's a very common request, um, with everyone that we work with because they know that, uh, people really like it at, at the brewery. So are there any projects or, uh, a request that stick out in your mind? Any good stories or, yeah, uh, I mean, the the most recent one with the bar uh, called Holy Water in San Francisco, they are just a, a very cool spot. Um, the, the vibe there is kind of in line with what we're into in Denver. Um, they care deeply about working with um, brewers that are making really interesting beers, and so we just kind of we became friends organically on that sort of thing. And then, um, the opportunity to get to send a bunch of our beers out there and do a showcase. Um, we, we had a nine liter, a giant, giant bottle of, uh, um, beer that we made, um, and sent out there. And so it was really cool to get to offer the keep the glass program to locals out there in San Francisco. And then, open this giant bottle of beer that we sent out there and pour it in the keep the glass. And it, it was just, there's a lot of excitement for it. Um, 
And so that to me is a really great example of how it's like such a simple idea and it's really easy to communicate to people. Um, And it also gives this chance for customers to say, oh, well, not only do I get to have this collectible thing, but I'm going to be able to try a few beers instead of getting giant full pours of one beer. So that's definitely the most recent one that's done really well. So speaking of tr- the word try, what is, uh, uh, what's the history behind the, the release with uh, Don't Try, Just Cry? Oh, man. That was uh, Ross, a uh, local artist in Denver. He just has a kind of a silly, um, like self-deprecating style to his art. And so he that was his submission that he did for his glass. And that was a few years ago. But that actually, it's funny that you bring that one up because we get people telling us that they have accidentally broken old keep the glasses and asking if we have replacements that they can get a hold of that glass by far is requested as a replacement more often than any other glass we've ever done. And I don't know why, but even just like two days ago, someone was asking me if they could get a replacement of that one. There's a whole uh, subculture with glass collection. That's for sure. What you glass ever- style was that one? Do you remember? That was that was uh, like a rock glass, mm-hmm. like a low low ball. Speaking of glassware, too, how do how do you go about choosing the glass styles? I'm sure that there's um, you know some thought that goes in with the art you're using, but is that something that you collaborate with the artist on as well? Yeah, uh, it, it it really depends. We have obviously through working with you guys for so many years, I have a very um, extensive knowledge about print print area versus price. And so I just kind of try and guide artists towards finding the right mix between the two. Um, because obviously like the, the tall boy can glasses are the biggest canvas in terms of artistic space for someone to use. And simultaneously they tend to not want to do uh, a glass that's so simple so it's kind of having to break the news like, yes, you like this stem glass, but the print area is very small on it. And, and, or, or if it's um, the, a case of, you know, you really like this glass and the print area is decent, but the unit price on them is higher because it's, you know, from a, a brand that is doing more of a higher end glass. And so it's really just communicating kind of all those details and, and arriving at something that works for everybody because um, there may be a case where the art or the, the um, how well known an artist is means that I'm okay with spending a little more money on the overall, you know, product itself. But um, it's, it's been nice because we really do have a pretty wide range of options that kind of tick the, the checkbox for any given designer designer that we're working with. With that, with that being said, do you have, uh, do you have loyal followers that come back every week? Uh, do you sell the glasses online? Um, we tried to sell the glassware online and, and I think there's just something about the, the Tuesday going to the brewery and hanging out sort of thing that just does a lot better, but we definitely have a pretty big following and 
now that we've been doing it so long, the the common thing I'm hearing about is just, you know, I, uh, I really like that new glass that you're releasing next week, but my significant other told me that I'm not allowed to bring any more of your glasses into the house because our, all of our cabinets are completely full of keep the glass glasses. And, and I'm just like, well, you can do a purge or, you know, uh, (laughs) gift them to people. Um, so that's kind of where we're at, you know, like the following has been uh, there for a long time and it's cool that people have stuck to it and really been collecting them. Do you uh, kind of stretch your thinking here a little bit? Do you remember who the first artist you worked with was and what glass and what beer? Oh man. Um, I, I don't, <laughs> I, I, if I'm, if I had to guess, it would probably be Justin Pervorce is his name, and he does all of our um, all of our design for our labels and and design in the brewery and things like that. Um, he's done a, a handful of them. He's probably done the most keep the glass designs for us. Um, but he, yeah, he's definitely uh, one of my favorites. And uh, I would say the majority of he he's actually based in California, but the majority of the artists that we've worked with have been in in Colorado. What would your personal favorite be out of all, you know, 70, if you can just kind of, you know, quickly scan through all of those in your head. (laughs) But really, those are one that stands out that, you know, that you just really liked that, you know, was just a wild design or just like a creative use of space or. Sure. Um, my favorites are not, it's not a specific glass, but there's an artist that used to be in Colorado and is now in, uh, Oregon goes by the name scrappy cat and their, uh, kind of design theme is that it's, it's illustrative work and it's all cat leaning. So, um, they have done a few glasses for us of this skateboarding cat and the way the design works um it's like a frame by frame and we figured out that the the illustrations are so good that we were able to do stop motion video with the glass spinning and it actually animates the cat doing these skateboard tricks excellent um (laughs) yeah it's amazing and those are the ones that you know we we if you look on our instagram when we post those people lose their minds when they see that, <laughs> that the glass is able to be um, animated just by spinning it. Um, so that's the kind of like out, outside of the box creativity that it's, it's really um, cool when someone throws an idea to us that it's just like, Oh, I didn't even think that was a possibility. Yeah. Um, and then another funny one is uh, this guy, Adam Rayola here in town. Um, he is always trying to kind of flip the whole thing on its head. And we, um, did one of the candy jars. Um, and he, he made, uh, he made a design that had all of these, um, you know, like illustrated pieces of candy, but then it said like liquid candy. And so, we were serving beer in candy jars and it looked so ridiculous seeing all these people in the tap room drinking out of candy jars with the lid sitting next to them. Cause they were going to get it rinsed out and take it home, you know? So That's awesome. that sort of thing too is also like a little, um, 
I was a little hesitant when he pitched it to me, but then I'm just like, ah, it's just, you know, that's the thing is we're iterating on this all the time and figuring out what works and doesn't work. And thankfully people thought it was really funny and, and came out and picked them up. So, um, it, it went, it went well. I don't know that I would do it regularly, but (laughs) I thought it was a funny approach to it for sure. Um, that seems like that would be something that would be great, like content for social media too. And you touched on that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen like a big boost in your social engagement because of this program? And yeah, yeah, uh, it, it it's funny how much it depends on you know um, the the glass shape. I mean, we've really nitpicked everything about the social media engagement based on this. Um, but really, um, the, the kind of the glass and the artist and the design are factors, but it's really interesting how much it's also kind of depended on the weather. And, you know, in the warmer months, people respond a lot more to it because the keep the glass program, I think a lot of our regular followers kind of associate that with sitting outside in the, on the patio in the summer and things like that. Um, and then, you know, our, our, uh, kind of connection with well-known artists, um, they do a really good job, um, telling the people that follow them about the project saying, you know, I know that you're really into what I'm doing. Like I worked with this brewery in Denver, or if they're a local person, you know, they're like, Hey, I worked with OMF on this class and people get really excited about that too. And then we have a lot of crossover from it. That seems like that plays in well to your, you know, your, your brand focus of wanting to be really like creatively driven and to be a space for artists to like, not only with the people you're working with, but, but the, the people who are following those artists and then, you know, bringing them into your space too. Do you, uh, do you have similar expression, not just with the glassware, but any other avenues? Like, do, do we do anything else? Yeah. With apparel, um, emotional items. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we have a pretty simple merchandising setup. Um, and, and to be honest, it's, it's something that's been a challenge for us because we're not a very, niche brewery like uh some other breweries have a very specific crowd that they draw on and one of the things i really like about what we're doing is that i i think we're pretty welcoming to all kinds of people but then that means it's pretty hard to kind of nail um what kind of um, apparel and things like that are of interest to everybody which maybe it's impossible if you're not willing to have you know, tons and tons of different pieces. Um, but I think the, you know, as it relates to the keep the glass program, like the glassware thing is something everybody's interested in. So it's definitely, um, aside from some of our special release bottles and things like that, it's the highest engagement we get on a regular basis. Can you give us a hint or some insight onto, uh, what your next design or next project might be to your followers? I, we are working on getting a little more focus with the keep the glass program, um, to, um, kind of go outside of the conventional ways that we've been working with artists 
um, like I was uh, referencing the guy, um, Dustin Klein, that I would really like to work with. I think that we're kind of making a list of the big wants in terms of artists that we really love. And we're going to work on kind of building out a much more in-depth ecosystem around it. So taking longer to work on the design with them, collaborating on a beer to brew with them, packaging it, doing more video and documentary style content around the entire process from start to release and then releasing the beer and the glass and hopefully having that artist there in person and just really having a lot more intention to it. Um, because, uh, up until this point, it's been kind of, we've kind of been flying by the seat of our pants and it's, nice that it does well for how simple it's been for us to keep it going but we really just feel compelled to um you know have a little bit more substance to it so that's our goal for this year um i don't know we don't even have anyone lined up to do that but that's really what i desire to kind of evolve the program into because i think that um people will really respond to all those different um, possibilities of where we can take it. That sounds exciting. We love the idea of, you know, scaling it out to, you know, more of your, you know, your digital media and and beer releases and stuff like that. It seems like a great way to... It's going to take a lot more work. Yeah. But, you know, I think the work is worth it if if we can pull it off in the way I imagine it can be. Um, so it's definitely worth the work for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about your, uh, all these different designs that you've had, you know, from talking candy to skateboarding cats, you know, you've done a lot of really different and fun stuff. Um, are there any rules, um, for a, an artist when they're designing a glass or do you kind of give them, you know, creative, uh, you know, authority? Uh, I really encourage the freedom to think of it not as doing something for us as a brewery as much as it's another um, medium for people to create. Uh, I have kind of a little um, soapboxy paragraph or two that I copy and paste into emails that essentially tells them to not mimic things that they've seen us do before or look at our brand um, our logo don't don't take cues from any of that stuff thinking that that's what we expect and I even encourage them to you know uh, have our logo be a very minimal I require our logo to be on there but I I tell them to make it a kind of a minimal thing in the design and not um, a centerpiece or anything like that um, and so you know, we, it's, it's interesting because those, what I mentioned at the beginning, the people that kind of submit stuff to us without us asking them to, they're not receiving that, um, kind of initial, um, rundown brief on what we're interested in. And so I do get a lot of designs that are, you know, like hops and grain and mountains and things. And, that's really kind of the only area that we tell people that we'd like to stay away from is the, those cliches in the brewing industry that um, are just 
in my opinion, really tired. So Mm -hmm. beyond that, I'm like, just do you do you, you have a style. That's why we want to work with you. So make something that you feel represents, you know, who you are and what your art is and all that. Awesome. Nice. So speaking of you do you, uh, we know you're under a major brew house overhaul. Um, could you share a little Mm -hmm. bit with, uh, how that's coming along and what's going on and, uh, maybe touch on touch base on what the future holds for, OMF. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so when we first opened the brewery, we were brewing 31 gallons of beer at a time. So two big kegs worth of beer, and that would be it. And then uh, we realized that that more or less homebrew setup was highly inadequate. Um, and and that's something I think that's I'm really proud of for us on a high level. Our history is. You know, we we really bootstrapped the brewery from the beginning, which I wouldn't really recommend to anybody. And if I ever ended up writing a book, it would probably be a book on how to not open a brewery. But (laughs) that being said, you know, our history has been based on, you know, not wanting to have debt and just doing things when they're organically ready to happen. So we decided uh, last year that it was time to upgrade to a 10 barrel brew house. So 10 barrels is like, you know, 10 times what we were brewing when we first opened. And, um, we're just now releasing the first beers that were brewed on it. And it's really just giving us the opportunity, not necessarily to increase capacity because we were on a seven barrel brew house, um, up until now. Uh, it's really more of a matter of improving our, um, quality, um, because of the quality of the equipment, the quality of the beers going up, but also um, our efficiency in, ter- in terms of turnaround time on beer and things like that. And then one thing that's really important to us is we've really been aggressively working to do as much closed looping as we can. So um, we're, we're able to really um, be better about our water usage with this new brew house. And that's going to be a really big factor um, in, you know, just our ability to be sustainable. So there's just a lot of um, really great things about it that don't have to do with making um, a lot more beer. Excellent. Even though that's one little perk of it. So Right. right. So definitely, you know, creating some more efficiencies, uh, you know, based on what you were saying, but... Um, do you have any plans for growth or, you know, how important is it to you to stay, you know, a neighborhood pub? I have spent a couple of years doing some soul searching and I actually looked around a couple of years ago, um, when I first started thinking about it to just kind of feel out the landscape in terms of what areas of town would potentially want another tap room and do we do a big production brewery or things like that and ultimately i just realized that we had a lot of work to do um in being better at using the space we had already and improving the experience for people in our tap room so i am not opposed to growth um as long as it's manageable because a lot of breweries i feel grow way faster than they really should. And then they say, Oh, I have all this beer and I need to figure out what to do with it. Um, for us, it's an opportunity to 
just holistically approach it. And in that respect, I think that we will probably do something um, <clears throat> in a town in Colorado that, you know, has a great need for it. And, and it makes sense for us to um, send beer there um, in, in, in the form of like a small tap room or a coffee shop or something like that. So right now we don't have anything specifically um, happening, but it's, it's, if I had to point to a direction that we are going to go in, I would say that's it. It's not going to be becoming a regional brewery and having a canning line and doing all that. It's going to be more of finding ways to, to be uh, a good local spot in another location. Excellent. And you, um, do you purely serve beer right now uh, at your tap room, or do you distribute throughout Denver? Uh, we sell most of our beer uh, in the tap room, and then we are partnered up with True Brewing um, for distribution on the front range. Um, so pretty much from Fort Collins down to Colorado Springs. Um, we send out a very small amount of beer to accounts that we have, um, you know, great relationships with. Uh, we don't have a salesperson. It's really just if uh, somebody's interested in having us on tap and they reach out to us, we work with them. Um, but that's about the extent that it goes because we're pretty busy still at the tap room, even with this new brew house. Sure. Very nice. Do you think there would ever be a future of expanding your Keep the Glass program to any of your, you know, potential future locations or to any of your accounts that you're that you're distributing at? Um, it's all it's all on the table for sure. It's really, um, I think it's just going to come from figuring out what that idea of kind of the 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 coolest and most evolved approach to the keep the glass program. Like I mentioned, you know, obviously if we, um, if we turn it into something that's a lot more involved and takes a lot more time, um, I think that, uh, I think that it would make sense to be able to kind of scale up where it goes so that it makes it more worth our while, you know, for the amount of work that we put into it. So, it's definitely something we're considering as we figure out what it becomes. Brandon, we really appreciate you taking the time and, and your story is great. I hear the beers are awesome and uh, you're definitely on my short list to get to next time I, I'm uh, in Denver. I, I did stop in last time I was in Denver for sure. It was uh, one of those colder awesome. winter days, but uh, had a great experience. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And, and I really appreciate you wanting to talk to me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, thanks again. Thanks, Brandon. Yep. Have a good one. You All too. right. Take, take care. care.